Good morning. Welcome to Restoration Cultivation. It is December 20th, 2022. It's about 7 a.m. in the morning. I have a, I guess a question, a thought process that what I'm going to do in the coming weeks, months, year is try to walk through the book of Genesis and share share the things that I feel like the Lord has shown me as I've you know, I've spent the last four, maybe five years in in the beginning of the book of Genesis, the first probably primarily the first three chapters. Um but then a fair amount of time in chapter chapters six, end of chapter five, chapter six through nine. And many people look at the book of Genesis as a as a history book. You know, that it gives line upon line a layout of creation, a layout of the first man. Um a layout of the first years. But I have some questions on that. Hopefully as I walk through it, we'll have some answers. Because as I I look at the book of Genesis, I was first studying out of the English. And I was studying it out of, say, a King James Bible with a Strong's Concordance. And I would use the the numbers from the Strong's Concordance according to each word and then try to get an understanding to what the definition was for that word and, and try to see what the Lord was saying on a bigger picture. Years ago, I had a friend bring a, uh, a teaching to me where he began to talk about Types and shadows, signs and symbols, allegories and parables, and that the Bible is written in such signs and symbols, types and shadows, allegories and parables. I believe most of the church today misunderstands the book of Revelation because they do not understand the signs and symbols, types and shadows allegories and parables. Most of the book of Revelation is defined and laid out in the Old Testament through types and shadows in the Old Testament. So if we let, someone taught me years ago, let the Bible define the Bible. So if we let the Bible define the Bible, what we will begin to find out is there are some things that man has put in that has twisted us away from truth. And and I don't want to go into the book of Revelation right now, but I do want to touch on one thing. Most preachers today, a large majority of preachers in the church today, teach that the book of Revelation is about end-time events. What is going to happen at the end of the world? 
But if you read the first few verses in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, the Lord tells you what it's about. He says, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he also says, these are things which must shortly come to pass. And then he tells John that it's very important to get it into the hands of the churches. And I'm going to just ask these couple of questions. I'm not going to answer them. I'm going to leave the thought with you. Where is Jesus Christ revealed? I want you to think about that. Think about all that you've been taught. Where is Christ revealed? And when you come to that answer, to that understanding, then you need to understand that where he is revealed is where the book of Revelation is being, that work is being done. And when that sets in, you understand that what we are being taught is not correct, but in a manner of then when you look and say, okay, the Lord Christ is revealed, I am going to give the answer to this one. Jesus Christ is revealed in his church, in his people. Church is not a building. The church is his bride. It is his people that have been joined to him. He is revealed in you and in me. In this tragedy that my family has gone through, Jesus has revealed himself to us more in the midst of this than anything, than maybe anything I've ever walked through. And listen, I have made some serious mistakes and fubus. I have struggled with things in my 25 years of almost 25 years of walking with Christ. And he has revealed himself to me many, many times in these struggles. It's usually not in the victories he reveals himself. It's in the midst of the struggles. And it's when he reveals himself in the midst of the struggles, the failures, the wars, that the victory comes after he reveals himself or in the revealing of himself to me. It's when the grace comes in and the victory comes that Christ is, that he is glorified. So when I look at it and I say, okay, he is revealed within us, that means that the book of Revelation is talking about the revealing of Christ in his church and in us. And he says it's important to get it to his church because his church is, And he says, these are things which must shortly come to pass. If the book of Revelation is an end time book, why? And it's about things that are going to happen now or in the future. Why was it so important for the Christians of the end of the first and the beginning of the second century? Because if it's about now, that had no bearing on them. There was no preparation. There was nothing that had anything to do with them. 
But if it was about being revealed in them at that time, just as it is about being revealed in us at this time, then it very much has a bearing. So if the book of Revelation is a type, shadow, sign, symbol, allegory, and parables, you know, Jesus talked in parables. He talked in parables to his disciples, to the people, and he did it so that the only way you would understand is by seeking him where he gives you the understanding. But if all of what I'm saying is true, then the beast, the antichrist, the false prophet, these things are all things that are inside me and you. I'll personally say that I've experienced the Antichrist in me. I've experienced the false prophet. And I have surely wrestled with the beast and the dragon. But I want to leave that alone now. And I want to go back to the book of Genesis, which is the beginning. So much so, I'm going to just read the first verse. Last year, when I did, I did a podcast called the sun, the sun founded, or a sun founded. I didn't do it in a right spirit. It was in a haughty manner, but I do believe there was much truth that the Lord showed me in it. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read it in the Hebrew and then back in the English. And in the Hebrew, it says, Bereshit, bara, el hayom, aleftav, hasamayim, and that is, in the beginning created God a left of the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> a few years back, as I said, I was studying Genesis out of the English. And I would find that... I would go to a Strong's number and then I would go to a word and it would be all the same Hebrew letters. And then a friend recommended um, an interlinear Bible, which is the Hebrew letters with uh, the English translation. And as I studied the English translation, excuse the background noise, my, my daughter's here visiting my wife, but as I studied the English and then the Hebrew and looking at the Strong's, I started noticing that with Strong's, many of the words where he had a generic, um, let's say woman, which is, I believe it's Aleph Shin Hey. Well, he has the same for the word wife, but I started noticing many times in the Bible, it's Aleph Shin Tav. For the word wife. Well, the, the letter hey and the letter tav surely have a different meaning. So there is, while woman and wife can be two in the same, they can also be different. You know, a wife is a woman, but a woman doesn't necessarily have to be a wife. So there's a, a different meaning. So I started asking the question. A friend of ours, um, the, the the apostle over as one fellowship, 
Mike Barnett. It's been about three years ago. I believe it was back in 2019. Shared one morning on the Hebrew letters, and he started talking about the Hebrew letters speaking. And he's, In particular, he was talking about the Hebrew letter pay in its speaking. And I, I remember just sort of laughing at him and saying, okay, Mike has lost his mind. And very quickly, the Spirit of the Lord said, do you believe my word speaks? I said, well, yes, Lord. And he said, what is my word made up of? And I said, letters. He said, okay, so if my word can speak, can the letters speak? And I just said, yes, Lord. So in that, I had to begin to look at things in a different manner. And I've even taken it to, a, to another place where I begin to try to look at each letter individually. Now, I want to read a, a verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Remember, this is talking about the Word of God, God's Word. And when you start talking about dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, these things are, 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 are not even scientifically possible to do. Only the Lord can do them. And the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's the word of God that defied, that that can separate and divide those. So I had to step back and say, okay, Father, teach me and show me about your letters. And I've been in this journey about three years. Now, listen, I have no desire to go be a Jew, to be a Hebrew. I have no desire for, for any of that. My heart's desire is to know Father. My heart's desire is to draw near unto Him. My heart's desire is to experience what I have experienced the last four days, but without having to go through the trauma. It's to be able to sit at His feet, to be able to sit in his lap, to be able to hear the beat of his heart, to know him, to know him beyond anything that a word describes, but to know him in the manner of communion, in Ahava, his love, to know him in his goodness, in his kindness, to know him in his restoration, where he restores all all things unto himself. You see, I believe the blood of Jesus restores all things. I believe it is a perfect work. I believe it overcomes sin. I believe it overcomes sickness. I believe it overcomes disease. And one day, hopefully in us, it will overcome death. And Christ, his last enemy, will be defeated. And he will be completely 
glorified. See, the Bible says that the last enemy to be overcome is death. And to be that people, to be that people that draw so near unto him that nothing, nothing holds us back. To be so like him because he has formed his image and his life and his likeness in us. I'm trying to decide whether to touch on the thought process. Let me go back to the Hebrew letters. About a year ago, a brother came up to me, actually not quite a year, probably seven, eight months ago. And he said, he told me, he said, brother, he said, the Lord has shown me that he's given you an ability to take the living letters and to impart and speak them into people's lives to set direction. And I told him, I said, I believe that. I receive that. He has already shown me some of that. And I said, but in the same manner, I want to share with you what he is showing me. And I said, my encouragement is that when we look, or better yet, when we listen to a letter, and when that letter is joined to another letter, just because it says one thing now doesn't mean that it's going to say the same thing when it's joined to the next letter. It's going to be similar, but it's joining to another living letter is going to bring about a different creation. And here's the example the Lord showed me. When I am with my wife, my beautiful, beloved, loving wife that has put up with so much for me, when I am joined with her and I am with her, my communication, my time with her is different than it is with anyone else. When I'm joined with her, it's as husband and wife that we speak. But when I go and I spend time with my, my dad, my earthly father, I'm still the same person. But my joining and my communication is different. One, because he's my father, my dad, I'm son, and our relationship is different. We're still the same, but the joining, the communication is different. And then when I go and I'm joined to my son or sons, my communication is different with each one of them because each are in different places. They're both sons, but they're different. So I act with them different than I do with my wife, than I do with my father. But even I act different with Peyton 
than I do with my youngest son, Haven, because they're in different places. It's still very, very similar, but there's a difference. When I'm joined to my daughter, I'm gonna, I, I speak and, and communicate with her even in a much different manner. So when you take a left and you, you join it to Shin, you have the word fire. But when you take a left or you take the Yod and you put the Yod between the Aleph and the Shin, you have the word Aish, which means man. So the Yod, the spark in fire, is man. This Aish was taken out of Adam, the Aleph, the Delet, the Mem. If you remove the Yod, you take the Aleph and the Shin, and you add the hey, the breath, the covenant breath of Father, the covenant breath of Yah at the end of the Aleph and the Shin. Instead of having fire, as you breathe on fire, you now have woman. So the letters all, they, they speak together, but they will speak differently. You take that hey away from the Aleph and the Shin, and you add Tav, you now have wife. So in these joinings of the letters, I have said in my heart that it's very important to listen to what each letter is speaking. And I would encourage you, instead of reading the book of Genesis as a history book, read it as a, let me see, what is the right word? Read it as the mysteries of heaven and earth being revealed to me and to you, to his church, to his people. And listen to the word speak. So back in Genesis 1-1, I read where it said, In the beginning created God a left of the heavens and the earth. Here's one of the reasons it's very important to listen to each letter. In the book of Revelation, I don't remember if it's chapter 1 or chapter 2. I think it's the end of chapter 1 where the glorified Christ is being revealed. And he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of and the end, the first and the last. See, Greek is written in linear, from left to right, from one point of origin to a end or a finish. And unfortunately, most of us in a Greek mindset, we think that way, from a start to a finish, from start to completion. Hebrew is written circular. And where 
the Aleph is the beginning of the Hebrew alphabet. It is the starting. It is, it is, what, it is the first letter. The letter Tav means to end, to finish, to begin again. So it is a starting to a finish to begin again, to make that circle over and over. And I believe with all of my heart when Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, that in that he's saying, I am the Aleph and the Tav. I am the beginning and the end of all creation. You know, it says the worlds were framed or formed by the word of God. Before the New Testament was written, all scripture was written in Hebrew. I read that verse to you a while ago out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I know that's New Testament, but again, it's pointing to Hebrew. The Hebrew is the living language. It is the living letters. It is the letters that create life. I believe it is the letters which Father spoke to create. You know, It says in Genesis 1 that the Lord spoke the worlds into creation. Here it is. Let me see. Uh, and said God, let there be light. Well, how did he, what did he speak? He spoke the Hebraic letters. He spoke and they created. So when I look and I say the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end, I ask you, don't take my word for it. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to reveal, to reveal his mysteries, to reveal his truth, to reveal and begin to open the eyes of your understanding that you might see. Listen, there's so much more that I need to see that I want to see. There are some things he's shown me. There are some things that he has shown those that I walk with that they add to the things that he shows. And I'm thankful for that. But my heart is hungry. My heart yearns to see the depths, to go deeper into the depths of Father, to go deeper into Him, to know Him more, so that Christ would be the Messiah, the Yeshua HaMashiach, would would be revealed in me in a greater manner so that all the world might see him and that he might be glorified. I'm not going to dig into Genesis 1-1 today. I'm going to stop with this. And I'll come back on my next podcast, and I will teach on a son founded, where I believe what Genesis 1-1 is, the revelation of the cross of Christ. It is the work of Christ building, forming, and framing. The cross is the centerpiece. But I see 
and the Lord has also shown me in these last few days that I see Genesis 1-1, his father wrapping his arms around his children, all of creation, all of his creation and all of life and saying, I have you. You are mine. I have you. And it is as we settle in that, that as we draw near unto him, and he draws near unto us. And the deeper we go in him, the more he reveals. But I will warn you, the deeper you desire to go within him, that means more of you must die. Look, I can tell you the death part is not fun. It's not enjoyable. It hurts. But it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. And it yields grace. And it brings forth mercy and kindness. And it will change who you are. So you have to be prepared and willing to change your thoughts, your desires, your actions. But in this journey of the revelation of Jesus Christ within and of the seeking to know Father and to know Him and to understand His journey and His walk for us, it is a joyous one. I think it was Peter who said, Think it not strange, the fiery trials which try you. that work the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So with that, I'm going to finish today. I bless you today. Thank you for taking these 30 minutes as I share my heart. Thank you for giving me your time. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would just wrap His arms around you. I pray that he would draw near into you whatever you might be going through today, whatever high, whatever low it is, that you would sense him with you and near you, that the next step you take would be the steps that he guides your feet in. The next words you speak would be the words that he puts in your mouth. I speak a ahava, a restoring love over you like you have never known, a comfort in your heart, no fear, no fear, no fear, for perfect love cast out all fear. 